This morning, I invite you to turn your Bibles with me once again to uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. And uh, again, uh, follow along with a Bible in the back if you don't have one, or just pull out your insert. Uh, The passage is listed there as well. Today, I am bringing to close, bringing to a close, uh, this brief topical series that I began about six weeks ago. Those of you who have been here for many of those weeks, remember and know, I've said it before, but I'll say it again for those of you who are with us for the first time, it was a short series of sermons that was designed to focus us as a church on the priorities of a people. The priorities both of us as a corporate body, as we gather for worship, as we serve together for the kingdom, but also as individual followers, as families serving and following Jesus. And so we looked at topics such as missions. We looked at uh, growing in grace and, and holiness as a people. And we looked at waiting well for the restoration of all things. And that's where we were last week from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All of these sermons have essentially been boiled down to life in the kingdom. And of course, there's many places in the scripture that we could go to talk about, to think about what life in the kingdom looks like. And so today, this is going to serve as almost a a summary sermon of all uh, the last sermons, all these last six weeks. Because we gather this morning as a people who recognize that we are citizens of another kingdom, and yet so easily we are people who seek first our kingdoms. And so if you're like me, which I know you are, you need help. You need grace to accomplish these things. And Jesus has given his people a focusing pattern prayer, three words that invite and channel this grace for kingdom life. And so we turn briefly this morning to that prayer that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, the the prayer that we prayed earlier in the service, and specifically three words within that prayer, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. So listen as I read Matthew chapter 6. I invite you, if you're able, out of honor for God and his word, if you would stand with me this morning as I read Matthew chapter 6. Jesus' comments, he's in the the middle of a long sermon here, and these are his comments about the subject of prayer. We're going to begin kind of in the middle of this section on prayer at verse 5, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. Listen as I read. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door And pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. I know that many of you have thought about, you have meditated upon, you have long ago memorized the Lord's Prayer. We've skipped a couple sections of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven reminds us of the privilege through Jesus and our union with Him of addressing the God of the universe with with such incredible intimacy. Hallowed be your name reminds us that every time we approach this great God, that his glory is to precede everything, that his name, his character, his work over all things is to be adored and to be revered. And then we come to those three words, your kingdom come. This is where I want to focus our hearts This morning for the next few minutes, four truths for us to consider. And I want to begin with a simple, fundamental, foundational priority that everything else flows from. And it's this, life is about the kingdom. Life is about the kingdom. It's a simple truth. It's a simple truth that's hard to live out. A couple weeks ago, Ann and I were uh, running errands and we found ourselves down in uh, Woodenville wine country and we, uh, we made our way into one of the um, wineries there and uh, we're just walking around them beautiful grounds uh, the Chateau St. Michel, that area right there. And um, they were having a big shindig there on a Saturday. And we kind of wandered into the store just to look around and, and to kind of soak it in. And it was really fascinating. There was this like glassed off room with, with people in there. And they had their, their wine and they were swirling it and they were, they were sniffing it. And, and then others were, were in other pockets of the, the room doing their thing. And it, Ann and I felt so out of place. Uh, Not because we don't enjoy a glass of wine, we do, but just it was obvious that this was a whole subculture of wine appreciation and of wine community. And it kind of launched us into a discussion about the phenomenon of, of subcultures within our culture. And the idea that people uh, gain pleasure and community and belonging and they sacrifice their time and they sacrifice their thing, their things and they, and they almost like, they almost worship something and it's that idea in our lives, I'm not knocking wine tasting, but it's that idea of taking good things in our lives 
and making them ultimate things. And you, and you, not to knock on the wine folks, you knock on the coffee snobs or anything that has a subculture of community, of sacrifice, of worship. Seahawk fans, as they gather in their sanctuary on the Lord's Day to scream and to cry out and to praise. You see, Jesus reminds us in this subculture of all kinds of good things that we have made ultimate. Jesus reminds us that as children of a Father in heaven, as those who have been gifted with with saving grace, with adoption as sons and daughters, that our lives are to be all about the kingdom. We're kingdom citizens. Our, our, Our lives ought to have kingdom priorities. Our lives ought to have kingdom goals. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our desires. It's about Him. It's about His purposes. It's about His glory. And in the beauty of our loving Father, His purposes and His glory dovetail with our desires, even with our comfort. And so even before Jesus calls His disciples and His followers to cry out for their daily bread. He reminds them of the kingdom. He will say after this prayer that he teaches his disciples in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. But maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, well, what exactly are we talking about when we talk about the kingdom? I get it. Life is about the kingdom, but what does that mean? What is kingdom life? What is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God was a, a concept that was central to all of Jesus' teaching. Matthew 4, 23, he went throughout all Galilee, the gospel writer says, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Now, books and books and books have been written about the kingdom of God and the concept and the nature of what the kingdom of God is. It's not our purpose this morning, and we don't have the time to dive into the depths of that discussion. But let me just briefly say, when we're talking about the kingdom, we're talking about the king. We're talking about the dominion and the rule of a king. We're talking about his sovereignty over all things. We've already prayed, we've already acknowledged that God is on the throne and that Jesus is on his right hand. This is his world. Every molecule in space, every second in time. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And so when we pray your kingdom come, we're not praying for him to rule in this way. We acknowledge that he is the ruler, that he is the sovereign. But when the New Testament speaks of kingdom, when Jesus speaks of the kingdom coming, he is speaking primarily of his rule over his people. 
his redemptive rule, we might say. You see, this redemptive rule took on vivid color and life in the coming of Jesus. Because through Jesus' mediation, his incarnation, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, the kingdom of God has opened for us in a way that it never had before. And so Colossians 1 declares, He that is Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. And so this is important, people of God, because when we pray, your kingdom come, when we say that our lives are to be about the kingdom, we are not specifically praying for peace, for justice in the world, for better schools, for safer streets. Those are all good things, and those are all things that we ought to pray for. But when we pray, your kingdom come, we are praying that God's redemptive rule would be established in our hearts and in the hearts of those around us. We need to become disciples that we might in turn make disciples who become disciples who in turn make disciples. And so first and foremost, the kingdom is a spiritual reign in us. And it begins in our hearts. And it ripples out and flows out to the hearts of those around us. But here's the thing. It is a reign and it is a rule that inevitably will find its way into our schools and onto our streets. And so at the very center of this prayer is the church. This is what the church is to be all about. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And this is important because some want to downplay misunderstanding what the kingdom is. They want to downplay the role of the church in what God is doing in the world. Or they want to argue that the church should be about something other than what we're about. Preaching God's word, administering the sacraments. The scriptures make it clear that the church is integral to life in the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom are given to the church. Through her functions of word and sacrament and prayer and fellowship, the church is the nurturer, the protector, the displayer of life in the kingdom. The church is like an embassy here on earth. The embassies have been in the news a bit recently, at least the Cuban embassy and our embassies as we've expelled certain diplomats. Embassies are fascinating places, places where the rule of another governs this place and is clear for all to see. And so it is with the church. God's rule is manifested here for all the world to see. It's not manifested perfectly or broken or sinful. His rule and his will only perfectly will be responded to and manifested in heaven. And that's why we pray, thy kingdom come. But see, this is where the illustration of the embassy 
breaks down because embassies are placed in other countries with other rules that govern them and other laws that define those narrow places, gated communities. And we're never meant to be a gated community as a church. Yes, we are an embassy of the kingdom, but kingdom life is supposed to flow from this place and infiltrate our communities and our lives. One of my favorite theologians wrote about this desire, this longing. He says, the kingdom begins in Jesus himself and in the working of the Spirit, bringing people to acknowledge him as king. Redemptive rule in the hearts. So the headquarters of the kingdom is the church, the community of those who worship and follow God in Jesus. But God's intention is that believers will not keep the kingdom to themselves but will bring it into all spheres of human life as believers take their faith into their workplaces and culture. They take the kingdom with them. And so we pray for the kingdom to come. First in our own hearts and in our own lives. That's the first truth I want to think about through those three words in this prayer. But what is kingdom life like? What are we further praying for? Well, that's the second thing I want us to focus on And it's simply this, kingdom life is about the nations. So here you you hear me tying some of the places that we have been prior to through this series. Kingdom life is about the nations. We talk a lot sometimes in our culture about the idea of legacy. I heard a professional athlete talking not too long ago about what he wanted his legacy to be in the sport. I'm not going to knock the idea of legacy completely, but do our personal legacies matter all that much? Or ought we be thinking about our legacy as it aligns with the kingdom? If life is all about the kingdom, how does our legacy align with his kingdom? I remember talking to my grandmother Sutton about this. Uh, I've referred to her a couple times in recent sermons. She passed away last year at 100. And I remember talking about her legacy in one of her moments of, of discouragement, particularly at her, uh, in her aged state and her inability to do a lot of things. And I was in reminding my grandmother that in addition to this lifelong service, faithful service that, that she provided at a Christian college, impacting many young lives as they dispersed, that she had four children that were all walking with Jesus. And that she had 10 grandchildren all walking with Jesus. And by that point, she had 20 great-grandchildren all walking with Jesus. And indeed, when we pray, your kingdom come, we are praying that Christ's rule and And his priorities would receive the same reception on earth as they do in heaven. Thy kingdom come is an evangelistic prayer. We're praying for the abolishment of unbelief. We're praying for the Holy Spirit to to permeate our communities, to go to the nations. Psalm 67, that the nations might be glad 
The Westminster Confession, our confession of faith in our Presbyterian tradition, answers and spends quite a bit of time here. It says in the second petition, acknowledging ourselves and all mankind to be by nature under the dominion of sin and Satan, we pray that the kingdom of sin and Satan may be destroyed, the gospel propagated throughout the world, the Jews called and the fullness of the Gentiles brought in. See, it's not about our legacy, it's about the nation's. And that's why we focused there a couple weeks ago. How sweet and awesome is the place with Christ within the doors while everlasting love displays the choicest of her stores. We long to see your churches full. We're about to sing that phrase that all the chosen race may with one voice and heart and soul sing your redeeming grace. Our lives are to be about the kingdom. Kingdom life is about the nations. Third truth, kingdom life is about your holiness. Kingdom life is about your holiness. You see, this is not just a prayer about them, about those out there. It's about us. Jesus embeds this prayer in a long sermon about what real world kingdom living looks like. And the Heidelberg Catechism, another catechism out of our tradition, says thy kingdom come means rule us by your word and your spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. It's an even more dangerous prayer when you couple it with the next request. When you beef it up with your will be done. Thy kingdom come, your will be done. Your agenda, Lord, is now my agenda. I will yield myself to your purposes and to your will. We in the church, we sometimes love to camp out on Jeremiah 29, 11. God knows the plans he has for me, plans for me to prosper. And then suffering or hardship hits us and we think that God has abandoned us. John Wesley has a prayer that says, I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and your disposal. Wow. That we might have grace to pray that kind of a prayer as we pray, your kingdom come. See, this is the prayer that led Jesus to the cross. Jesus agonized in the garden at what he was facing. And yet he said his food was to do the will of the Father who sent him. Not my will but your will be done. Well, one final implication of praying this way. 
the fourth truth that I want to talk about briefly. We pray for the kingdom that is still to come. Life is about the kingdom. The kingdom is about the nations. Kingdom life is about our holiness, but we still pray your kingdom come because we long, last week, remember, we groan for what is still to come. And so this is a kingdom that is already and not yet. When Jesus came to earth, when he healed the sick, when he gave sight to the blind, the kingdom of God intruded in our world in a way that it had never had before. And so Jesus says, it's here. The kingdom is here. Through me and through my work, it has begun, and yet there is so much still to come. There is a not yet. In the book of Revelation, this beautiful vision that John gets a glimpse of, is what is to come. As he sees the praise around the throne, he sees the destruction of the wicked, he sees the marriage supper of the Lamb, all that beauty of what God has prepared for those who are his. And so we pray, as we pray, thy kingdom come, we pray, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. That's part of our longing. That's part of our waiting. And remember, for those of you who were here last week, heaven is not something that will be a a letdown. It's not harps and wings and choirs and floating. It is the kingdom fully come. It is the restoration of all things, the new heavens and the new earth, all things being made new under the reign of King Jesus as he dwells with his people. It is the beauty that has been breathed out around us in vividness, in trueness, as it was intended to be. See, God will accomplish that for us, for his children, for his glory, a kingdom fulfilled, a kingdom eternal. And so we pray for the kingdom that is to come. Three simple words, your kingdom come. A prayer that reminds us that it's not ultimately about us, that it's about the nations. It's about his glory. It's it's about God perfecting us. It's about God making us holy. And it's about God bringing his rule to full consummation. And so how do we sum up the last six weeks? I hope that you have been challenged. I hope that you have gained something. But how do we sum up the last six weeks? Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for these words that the Lord Jesus taught his followers. Lord, teach us increasingly what it means to pray those three words, your kingdom come. 
Holy Spirit, do your work in our hearts as we go from this place, as we think again upon the idols that we have made in our lives, those good things that we have made ultimate things, those ways that we have structured our days and our weeks to fulfill our own kingdoms and to not work and focus and live for your kingdom, both the kingdom that is here and is increasingly coming and is the kingdom to come. And so we do pray, Lord Jesus, come. Come quickly, we ask. And until that day, give us grace to walk and to live as citizens of another kingdom. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.